This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Hebrews chapter number 10 uh, this evening, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 11. And I don't know if I'm going to preach tonight or if I'm just going to talk to you, but this is something that uh, I've just sort of had on my heart. I preached not too long ago in, in a different place from this passage of Scripture, but uh, the Lord's sort of given me something a little bit different uh, for, for the last few days and the last few weeks I've been uh, thinking on and pondering on. And so I'm hoping that, praying that uh, he'll allow me to communicate that to you this evening. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 11, the Bible says, And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. From henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool, for by one offering... He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin." Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say, His flesh. And having an high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, I'd like to draw your attention to verse number 22. And I'd like you to mark, if you would, those first four words, let us draw near. Let us draw near. I'm going to ask you a question. And then at the end of our time together, I'll answer it for you. The question is a simple one. How close are you to God? Now, I'll be honest, I grew up in church my whole life, uh, Sunday school all the way through, junior church, children's church, Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, all the way through. And so often you hear certain terms, and, and then I become guilty myself of using certain terms, and we use them so much they kind of lose their meaning, you know? They, you, we say things, and, and we're not even sure what we're saying, and you know, we talk a lot about uh, being close to the Lord, a close walk with God, and, and, and all those things. But I think it would be good if we actually thought about it and defined what that actually means, because if you can't define something, you don't know what it is. And so the question is very simple. How close are you to God? It, it may surprise you <clears throat> to know that I have a sister uh, who has never met any of my children. Never met my wife. I haven't seen her in almost 
20 years. My oldest sister. Now, nothing will ever change the fact that God allowed her and I to be born into the same family. She is and always will be my sister. Our relationship does not change, but obviously there is something missing with the fellowship. If you ask me certain things about her, I could answer them just like that. I know much about her, but are we close? Well, the answer obviously is no, we are not close, geographically or otherwise. Then there are other people that I'm not close to geographically, but I am very close to them, meaning they know me, I know them, we have common interests, we communicate regularly with one another. So the question is very simple, how close are you to God? You know, it's interesting, as you go through the Christian life, uh, there are lots of calls that God makes upon our lives. Uh, just looking back on my own life, it's, it's very interesting. I know every one of us could give the same testimony, there's no doubt. You could stand up here and say the same thing I'm saying, as far as, you know, you wonder so often, what is God doing right now? What, what, you know, Lord, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And, and certain things just sort of happen. And, and by faith, you trust the Lord with certain things. And by faith, you make certain decisions. And then you turn around and you look back at it all and you go, well, that makes perfect sense. Now, at the time, it didn't make much sense at all. But God is calling us. And every call of God is a call to be near Him. Every call of God. When God called me to leave Western Pennsylvania and go to East Tennessee to go to Bible college, He wasn't really calling me to a, ge to a geographical location. He was calling me to Himself. God was waiting for me in Knoxville, Tennessee. He had something to do in my life and in my heart in that place. Every call of God is a call to Himself. Perhaps God's called you, though your geographical location has never changed, God has called you to do something. God's called you to work in a Sunday school class. God's called you to usher. God's called you to work in a nursery. Whatever it may be, the fact is that God is really calling you to Himself. There's something that God wants to do in you and through you. Primarily, He wants to conform you to the image of Christ. Every call of God, no matter what it is, He's really just calling us to be a little closer to Him. Just a little closer to Him. That's really what the whole Christian life is. Uh, Paul said that we are to grow up into the stature of the fullness of Christ. Uh, John said it this way, He must increase and I must decrease. You see, the whole Christian life is really this. The closer I get to heaven, really the closer I should get to the heart of God. And it's, it's less of me and it's more of Him. And it's less of me and more of Him. And less of me and more of Him. And He's just sort of drawing me to Himself. He desires for me to be closer and closer and closer to Him. Until one day I drop this rib of flesh and it's none of me and it's all of of him. So the question is simple. How close are you to God? Look at verse number 22. The writer of Hebrews says very simply, let us draw near. In Mark chapter 3, Jesus is beginning his earthly ministry, and the Bible says that he called 12 disciples. And the Bible says very specifically in Mark chapter 3 and verse 14, he called 12 and ordained them that they might be with him. Isn't that interesting? 
What was, the, what was the foreordained will of Jesus Christ on this earth for His 12 disciples, first and foremost, to just simply be with me? Isn't it interesting that when people saw Peter and John, they took notice of them that they had been with Jesus? The great miracles that they performed, well, obviously those are recognizable. What was the one thing above all else that made them stand out? What was everyone talking about? They've been with Jesus. How close are you to God? So we find a number of things here. I'll attempt to be very brief this evening. If you're writing some things down, perhaps you want to write this down. Number one, the picture of drawing near. The picture of drawing near. What does drawing near to God look like? We talk about it an awful lot. What's it look like? Well, let's go back to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse number 1. The Bible says, For the law having a shadow of good things to come, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offer year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. We're dealing here with the law. We're talking about the, the purpose of the law. Of course, the law had a purpose, but its purpose has run its course. So verse number 2, For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year, for it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice an offering thou wouldst not, but a body hast thou prepared me. Verse number 6, In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Skip down to verse number 10. By the which... Will we, by the which will, we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every high priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. What does being close to God look like? For most Christian people, I think if you ask them, what does being close to God look like? they would start rattling off a whole list of things. Right? What's, what does being close to God look like? It looks like being in church every time the doors are open. It looks like being at visitation and going out soul winning. It looks like handing out a gospel track. It looks like wearing the proper clothing, being modest in your attire and identifying yourself as what God has created you. We would, we would give a list of things, but can I tell you, that is not drawing near to God. You see, what we've done is we've flipped the whole thing around. We've replaced cause and effect. You see, the list of things that you and I do is not what draws us closer to God. May I say, drawing closer to God is what those things should grow out of. We've, we've minimized the Christian life to a list. You say, how do you know that? Look at verse number 22 again, please. Let us draw near, watch this, with a whole bunch of things that we do for God. Right? That's what, that's what the writer said. Let us draw near with church attendance. 
Let us draw near with ministry. Let us draw near because everybody looks at us and says, he's a great Christian, she's a great Christian. Is that it? No. It is the inward man. He says, let us draw near with a true heart. Do you know what is missing in a list? Jesus is missing in a list. (laughs) We're not drawing near to him. We're drawing near to a bunch of things, to a bunch of actions. Listen to a man speak just recently. I was so fascinated, and, and I've been sort of thinking about some of these things recently, and, and he's a very intelligent person, and he was verbalizing sort of the things that were you know, rattling around in my head that I couldn't quite put into a thought form. It was very helpful to me. You know, as I work with young people... I am not looking for a young person that dots every Baptist I and crosses every Baptist T. You say, is that wrong? No, 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 no. It's absolutely right. Somebody said to me years ago, they said, it'll it'll be helpful to you if, since you're forming your convictions, if you'll just borrow my convictions. I've repeated that. I've actually said that to other people. You should borrow my convictions. It's not possible. Now, look, I appreciate what what, what they were trying to do, and and they've helped me immeasurably, but it's not possible. I don't want young people or or even Christian people at, at large to borrow convictions. What I would love for them to do is to draw near to God in their heart. By the way, he says, with a true heart. It is truth in the inward man. You know, these kids might not do everything exactly like we want them to do, but as long as I can sense in the heart of a young person that they desire to be near to God, they desire the truth of God's Word, as long as they have that, look, they're going to be okay. They might not do everything. Pastor Sexton said, of course, he's had a big influence on my life. Pastor Sexton used to say that you'll never put a 40-year-old head on an 18-year-old body. As an 18-year-old, I sat back there and said, hallelujah, preach to him, you know. But it's helping me now. They're never going to get it all. By the way, this is not an excuse for a young person or anybody else to be flipping in their Christian life. As a matter of fact, being, being grounded in truth and having, having truth as the goal, the truth of God's Word, rather than a list of certain standards. By the way, let me just tell you, I lived this. All right? I'm so grateful for the church that I grew up in. I'm so grateful for the fact that God saved me in that place. But can I tell you that I sat as a young person in church services where from the pulpit I was told that if a man did not have a tapered haircut, if it was boxed in the back, they were modern and they were worldly and they needed to get their heart right with God. And I just grew up as a young person thinking, yeah. And you might want to check your salvation. Because how can you be saved and not have a tapered haircut? You notice my hair is tapered in the back still. <laughs> you see, that's a little bit excessive. No, it's a lot of it excessive, but I'm, I'm making a point. You're never going to draw near to God by obeying a list of things. But let me tell you something. You say, are you against the list of things? No, I'm all for the list of things. The list of things will come as we draw near to God. Uh, what, what did God say to the prophet? I'm looking at all of David's brothers, right? Here's Eliab. He's got to be it. It's not it. He's not it? No, he's not it. How can he not be it? He is it? 
This kid? Yes, but you're looking at the outward appearance. I'm looking at his heart. And God said, that heart that David has for me. You see, of all the brothers, David really was the closest to God. In the inward man, truth kept David near to the heart of God. And so as David is near to God, then all of those things flow from the life of David. So the picture of drawing near, what does drawing near look like? It looks like the inward man, not the outward man. Now look, the outward man follows the inward man. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But let's not get the order out. So first of all, we see the picture of drawing near. There's a second thing, and that is the price of drawing near. Do you ever think about what it cost so that you could be near the heart of God? What did it take? Naturally, we're separated from God. He is of purer eyes than to even behold sin. You know in the story, the Garden of Eden. God says to Adam and Eve, in the day that thou shalt eat it thereof of the tree of the garden. By the way, let me not, let me not skip the, the, the first part. We always do that. I'm, I'm guilty of it. I'm trying to break myself of this habit. God did not say, of the tree that's in the midst of the garden, thou shalt not eat of it, or thou shalt die. God said, of every tree of the garden, thou may freely eat. That's right. We can't miss that part. God is so restrictive. No, He really isn't. There are so many things to be enjoyed in the Christian life. He said, you can eat of every tree, every other tree, just that one. And what did their sin nature do? That one, that one, that one, that one, that one. <laughs> right? It helps me. You know, somebody said to me a long time ago, they said, you know, you're trying to, trying to th- have a, a, a pure mind, right? You want to think on the right things? And absolutely we do. We want to have a, 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 a mind that is, is free of, of worldliness and improper thoughts. And, and he said to me, he goes, all right, here's what I want you to do. Ready? Do not think about pink elephants. Whatever you do, don't think about, you can think about anything else, but just do not think about pink elephants. Because pink elephants are the thing you should not think about. Well, what are you thinking about? You're obviously thinking about pink elephants, right? The emphasis is not on what is wrong. The emphasis should be upon all the good that God has allowed us to enjoy in this life. The devil, of course, is a liar. He tells you and I the same lie he told Eve. One tree, one tree, one tree, one tree, one tree, one tree, right? And they took of it, and they sinned, and that sin separated them from God. And so... We find ourselves naturally in this state. So what gives you the right? What price was paid for me to be near the heart of God? Look at verse number 14. For by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost also is a witness to us. For after that he had said before, This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds will I write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now, where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin." Look, there was so much religiosity that is talked about in the first few verses of Hebrews. There's, there's all of this law, and there's, there is regiment, and you know what? That'll never get you to God. That'll never get you near to God. 
There are so many great saints in the Old Testament, aren't there? I mean, think of Joseph. Never anything negative spoken of Joseph in, in the Word of God. Daniel, same can be said of him. Abraham, Moses. And perhaps we get the idea, boy, I'd love to be a Moses. I wouldn't. You know why? I don't want to live under the law. I am so glad that I live in the age of grace and the age of the Gentiles, right? I mean, look, this is a, this is a privilege and, and, and all of the opportunity that you and I have in this age of grace, not to live under law, but to live under grace and to be drawn near to who God is. And all of this religion never gets us to God, but a price was paid. And that, of course, is the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world, paying the price so that you and I, through faith in Him, can be drawn close to Him. We could never go to Him, right? We could never go to Him. So He came to me. He bridged the gap. The Bible says in verse number 18, Now where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. How do you get near to God? There's no more offering for sin. You can't work it up. Even as a Christian, you can't say, God, look at all the good stuff that I did. You know why? Watch this. Look back at verse number three. This was so interesting to me. It was convicting to me. Verse number three. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. Do you know all those sacrifices did? It just reminded them of sin all over again. You're guilty. Next year, still guilty. The next year, still guilty. Do you know what performance-based acceptance Christianity does? It lets the, all the air out of my spiritual tires. Do you know why? Because I fail all the time. Constantly I'm failing. Now, you know, I'd like to think I'm doing better than I was years ago, but the fact of the matter is I'm probably doing worse because I know more now than I did then. And so it's not about what I'm doing that gets me to God. Now I'm a Christian and I'm going to do everything that I can. I'm going to be involved in the nursery and the bus ministry and, and this ministry and that ministry and the other ministry. By the way, get involved in every one of those things. That's great. But that is not the thing that, that the price that gets me into close fellowship and relationship with God. You say, he's the one who saved me? and brought me into this relationship, and He is the one who ultimately draws me to Himself. Amen. What is the price? The price is nothing less than the blood of Christ. He died. Look here. If He died to save you, and we say, you know what, I could never work my way to heaven. You're absolutely right. You could never work your way to heaven, and you'll never work yourself closer to God. It's an open invitation. He made the way. He provided it for us. Number three, write this down if you would, please. Not only the price of drawing near, but the privilege of drawing near. The privilege of it. This is where God speaks to me. The privilege. I should be burning in hell tonight. And he says, but I want you to be near me. What a privilege. What an opportunity that 
a child of hell, as the hymn writer said, should in his image shine the privilege. Look, I'm not privileged so much to serve God as I am just to be near God. It's a privilege to minister. It's a privilege to do all those things. But how much more of a privilege is it just to say, you know, I talked to him today and he talked right back to me. Look, if you would, please, at verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil... That is to say, his flesh. Look, as the physical form of Jesus Christ hung on the cross, and as his physical form was beaten and torn for us, so the veil in the temple is torn, and now through him I have access. I can be as close to God as I want to be. How? To the blood of Christ. What a privilege! What an unbelievable opportunity for hell-deserving sinners. And by the way, you can dress a sinner up and you can put a suit on a sinner, but a sinner is a sinner. And I know me better than anybody else in this room knows me, and so I'll just say you can dress a sinner up, but a sinner is still a sinner. And this sinner is welcomed in the presence of God. There was a young man many years ago... In the dark ages, the Middle Ages, he had a particular problem he took to his father. And his dad said, son, you need to talk to the king about that. That's, that's beyond me. So the young man determined that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak to the king about this. And one day his father left off to the fields and his mother was in town at the market and he thought, this is my opportunity. He dressed himself. He went into town and he walked up to the palace, up to the castle And he intended just to simply walk in and speak to the king. And when he got there, at the gate, there were several large gentlemen wearing uniforms, and they stopped him. And they asked what he wanted to, you know, what he was there for, his intentions. And the young man said, I intend to speak to the king. And they all had a big laugh at it. They said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to speak to the king. And the young boy said, no, I, I intend to speak to the king. And he started to walk past them, and the one large man grabbed him very roughly and threw him to the ground and said, Son, you'll not speak to the king today. They all had a big laugh. And the boy was hurt, but he was embarrassed. There was a crowd around. He was embarrassed. And so he picked himself up, and he walked over just a little ways, ducked behind a market, sat down, and began to cry. He was only there for a few moments, and... He heard someone say to him, son, are you okay? And he looked up and he saw a very well-dressed man, several other men with him. And wiped the tears back from his eyes and he looked up and he said, I came to see the king, but they won't let me in. man said, come with me. So they walked over to where those men were and the boy thought, how's this going to work? And as soon as they walked over there, those soldiers snapped to attention, and they walked right past, walked right into the palace. He was amazed, amazed. 
all the things he saw, just a common boy, all the things he saw, they walked into the, the grand entrance, marble floors, gold everything. They walked into a great chamber. That young man took the boy by the hand and he walked him up to the throne and he said, Father, this boy wants to talk to you. I'm a poor, wretched sinner. And Jesus takes me by the hand and he walks me into heaven itself into the holiest of all. And he says, Father, he wants to talk to you. Let us draw near. Let us draw near. What a privilege that you have, that I have to be near the heart of God. There's another thing. There is a promise of drawing near. Look at verse number 22. It says, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from every evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. Why? For he is faithful that promised. Did you know that drawing near to God has certain promises? Certain promises. Look, I didn't say being busy for God has certain promises. Anybody can be busy for God in the flesh. But being near to God has certain promises. The Bible says, draw nigh to God, and what, what, what's he going to do? What's his response? He'll draw nigh to you. I can take that to the bank. Why? Because he promised it. Jeremiah 33 and verse number 3. When I was a little boy, my mom, mom was a secretary, and she had that verse on her desk. So grateful for Christian parents. You know, you get some things in the Christian life just through osmosis because you're living in that environment. Jeremiah 33, 3 is a verse that I can't even remember how long I've known that verse. Call unto me and I will answer thee. You know something? When you're close to the heart of God, when you are near to God and you speak to him, he says, I will answer you. I will Look, I don't have to question whether my heavenly father, whether the one that I draw near to, I don't have to wonder, is he going to answer me? Now, look, is he always going to give me what I want? Very rarely. And by the way, praise him for that. Because if he gave me everything I want, it would not be good. But he's promised. Look, there are promises that go along with being near him. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. How often have I claimed that promise? You know, you cannot claim that promise aloof. Look here, please. When sin creeps in, when we fall into sin, and the Spirit of God makes it known to us in our life, you cannot stand, look here, you cannot stand afar off and say to God, Lord, I'm confessing my sin. I know it was wrong. It doesn't work that way. I've got to get right up to Him. Right up close. Say, yeah, did it again. Guilty. I'm claiming your promise. If I confess my sin, you're faithful. You're just. You'll forgive my sin. Wow. The promise that comes 
with being near. How about the promise of, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Aren't you glad for the day that you did that? Uh, hey, look here. You don't call it to God for salvation from a distance. You got to get right up near Him. There are promises. These promises, the Bible says, He is faithful that promised. There's a final thing I give to you. Number five, and that is the prize of drawing near. You say, all right, I'll draw near to him. But what do I get out of the deal? Look at verse number 28. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified and holy thing and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace? For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call to remembrance the former days in which, after ye were illuminated, ye endured a great fight of affliction. Look, go back up to verse number uh, 30, or rather, go down to verse number 37. For yet a little while, and he that shall come will come, and will not tarry. Now the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. But we are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. I want you to hold your place here real quick and turn back to Genesis chapter 15. I'm going to show you one verse very quickly. God has called Abraham out of Ur, the Chaldees. He's made him some unbelievable promises. God has proven himself to Abraham in more than one instance. In this particular passage, Abraham has just encountered Melchizedek after defeating the kings of Sodom. In verse number 1 of chapter 15, After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abraham in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abraham, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. You say, all right, what do I get? What do I get out of the deal? I'll draw nigh to God. I'll do it. But what do I get? You ready? You get to be near to God. What is the prize of drawing near? You're near God. He is his own prize. You say, what is the greatest thing about being married to Heidi? Can I be honest with you? I get to be married to Heidi. That's the greatest thing about it. You say, what's the greatest thing about having kids? Anyway. <laughs> Look, it's that I get to walk them upstairs every night and put them into bed. It's, it's that I get to be their dad. Yes, sir. Uh, What's the greatest privilege that I have of being a son of God? I'm a son of God. Uh, What's the greatest privilege of speaking to him in prayer? I just spoke to the creator of the universe. That is its own prize. He said to Abraham, Abraham, I'm your shield and 
I'm your great reward. Abraham, I'm going to call you out of Ur the Chaldees. I'm going to call you to leave your family. I'm going to call you to do all these things. And Abraham says, all right, Lord, I'll draw nigh to you, but what do I get out of the deal? God says, you get me. Did you need anything else? No, sir, I'm full. Thank you. So let us draw near. The question is very simple. How near are you to God? I've already given you the answer. I'll give it to you again. As close as you want to be. He made the way. He's invited us. Look, he's thrown the doors wide open. And he said, come on. There's nothing. Look, if you know Christ as your Savior, there is nothing keeping you from nearness to God. Repentance of sin, take care of it. Get near to Him. Putting off the facade of the, of the Christian walk and pretending to be something, get rid of it. There's nothing in your way. Let us draw near. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.